Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. In this episode, we sit down with Eduardo Trevino the owner of Canuga Tire and Auto in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Eduardo tells a story going from management trainee for a regional chain to struggling shop owner to eventually finding his ideal role within his business. Before we get started, please take a moment to hit that like button if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you like our content, consider subscribing to the channel. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast listening app, make sure you're set to automatically download the latest episode so you never miss an upload. And now, here we go. I would like us to sit back and have the conversation just like we did at dinner the other night. Right. Yeah. He and I went to dinner and, and he threw out some questions and had some, some things he was wondering about. And it was very much, how do you do things? How do you do this? I do this like this. Let's have that conversation. Let's talk about some of the things and talk about the ways that we do things. Um, you know, you're, you're a, a very interesting shop owner. So David, he worked from one of the shops that sometimes gets mentioned on the podcast. Sometimes. And, and like, yeah, there's a running joke. Like if that, if, a, if you see a car in town that the wheels are off of it and it's sitting in the middle of the highway <laughs> and there's a wheel rolling down the highway, you can almost guarantee it was at this shop. Right? <laughs> like it's, it's so bad. It's to the point that if you drive by there, you literally see cars in the drive in front of their shop with wheels off of it or like broken down the oil dripping out because they forgot to put the oil plug back in. Yeah. Um, no, it's been, it's been awful, especially since the other company took over. It's been not yeah. good. Not good. Is this no. a chain? It, yeah. It is yes. Now. A very large chain. Oh, it's now. <laughs> yeah. 
and and they don't exactly have the management thing down pat. No, um, but but was it independently owned before? Kinda. Yeah. So Did it it, it was a it was a single owner before, but he had twenty eight stores. Um, oh, geez. So then. So yeah, I mean he was he was pretty big, but still he whenever he sold, I mean this other company has, uh, I want to say last I heard it was like twelve hundred stores. So yeah, and and yeah. before it was somebody that you could talk to if you needed to talk to, right? Like it, it was somebody that you that was in the community that if you needed to talk to him, you could call and be like, hey. Um, and so you know what's interesting is is Eduardo took a really neat path and it was what, like, I don't know, four or five months ago, you reached out and said, Hey, I want to be able to hire the best techs out there. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'll never forget that conversation because like in my head, I was, this was like running around in my head and I was thinking, well, that is a hell of a question. <laughs> like, there's a lot to that. No, and so it- we started Go ahead. Well, the, I mean, I was thinking about that today. Was that it was you know it was funny enough because I'm looking for technicians again. But I remember right. that that initial conversation of like, how do I compete with these people that are throwing out sign-on bonuses and ridiculous amounts of money? And like, what am I? You know, how am I going to get the best tech if I can't offer the best? You know, the best package right. for the employee. And and so when we first started talking about it, it was very much like, whoa, dude, this is a like a huge topic. This is not just like, I want to hire the best tech and I want to figure out what are the things I need to do. We really kind of got down a rabbit hole of, there's a lot of things, right? There, there are so many factors that go into that from management and leadership and um, you know, the appearance of the business and the profitability of the business. And, and it doesn't matter if we hire the best tech, if we can't pay the best tech. Um, and so we kind of went down a rabbit hole and that's when you got hooked up with the ASOG mastermind, right? Like right after that, you got hooked up. <laughs> yeah. So, so I got a call from, uh, Eric Bach and Mark Perkins and, uh, we were going over, you know, the same question. And, and pretty much so, you know, they kept asking me about my financial situation with the business, you know, and I'm just like, oh, like I got plenty of cars, like that's not a problem, but you know, it's just completely wrong thinking. Um, and so I'm in a much better situation now that I've, you know, learned a few things and pulled myself out of the day-to-day grind and have been able to look at the business overall. Um, but you know, it's that it, it's it's that realization that we as independent shops can provide the best package out there if we are yeah. charging appropriately. You know, creating a good value for our customers. If we're doing the right things, we we can provide all those things to these technicians. Well, and and you know, I remember when we first met, you were running like some crazy numbers. Like you had, <laughs> what was your car count? It was like a ridiculous I, number. I don't, I don't even think about it anymore. <laughs> it was, dude, it was a, it was a lot. But I remember, and I don't know if David remembers, um, but David had had uh, done a little presentation for us at one point, and in my. Uh, hours per RO got brought up and I just remember this guy just starts laughing and I'm like, man, (laughs) 
I don't remember that at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know I was You're... talking mad crap about you, but I don't remember it. My, my bad. Don't worry. My, my ego won't forget. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Yeah, David, it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Was it that bad? Well, you know, I mean, it's one of those deals where, you know, in my mind, I was doing, I was trying to do well. And, you know, I knew deep down inside that there was something that I was missing. Um, And so then whenever I joined the mastermind group and we start looking at it, it's like all those things just sort of get brought up. Right. And so I want to say it was like whenever I first got into it, I was averaging 0.86 hours per RO. And so it was just like, (laughs) see, there it goes again. He's going to start laughing at me again. (laughs) But no, I mean, the, the, the reality of the situation is that is, is, you know, and I didn't take any offense to that really more. It's just like, Hey, like I really need to look at my process and see what I'm doing. Cause, cause I'm clearly missing the the point here. Um, Well, and, and you know, what's interesting about that? is that you had a ton of experience in a corporate store, right? Yeah. And I, I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. Please don't misunderstand. It's just that it's so easy for us as technicians or somebody who's managed a store to come out and say, I've done this. I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to do my own thing. But the tools that you need to do that are not necessarily the same tools you need to manage a store like you did before. Or, you know, it, and, and, and we throw in the E-Myth all the time. If, if, if folks are listening, they've not read the E-Myth or listened to the E-Myth yet, you got to listen to it. You got to read that book. And in that book, he talks about the cupcake store, right? Or the bakery. And she says, look, I just want to bake cupcakes. And he said, if you want to bake cupcakes, for God's sakes, go get a job somewhere baking cupcakes. But the job of baking cupcakes and the job of owning a business that bakes and sells cupcakes are two completely different jobs. They're not the same thing. And I think it's so easy for especially a lot of the smaller guys who might be listening. And and I was there. 
you can be a really good technician, but a really bad owner. And it's not even that it's bad or good. It's just that it, it can be a fight. It can be a struggle. And until you learn, there's a, a process, a system that works. You can be profitable. You can treat your clients right. You can treat your people right. And you can pay your bills. It's amazing. It, it, it truly is amazing. No, I really, you know, as I've, as I've grown into a business owner, uh, you know, it is, it's what, what ends up happening is right. Is you end up getting caught in that job, right? In the day to day, you're not looking at big picture. You're looking at, right. How many, how many fires do we put out a day? Right. Like, yeah, that's what just you do. Right? Just get the car done. Just get the car done. Just yeah. Get the car and done. so the, and, and that process never ends if you don't create the process to remove yourself out of that situation. Right. And yeah. so then you're stuck in that same cycle day in and day out. You never grow unless you reach out and are able to find some people that are willing to help, which, you know, ASOG has done a great job with. Well, and, and I mean, I, for me, that was kind of, that was how David and I met is because I started getting a little bit of knowledge and I started posting stuff in ASOG and David's like, Hey, listen, as the resident <laughs> troll, I don't think I would post that openly. <laughs> Let me help you. <laughs> you know, he felt really bad for me. So, you know, he jumped in and started helping. And I, I, I think that's a lot of that, that, that captures the spirit of what ASOG is, but that captures the spirit of shop owners everywhere. That captures the spirit of business owners everywhere because we've seen, the ugly side of it. And I, you know, I think so many people like they envision business ownership is this like great grand thing. You always hear those jokes of, of business owners always say, you know, everybody thinks that I just got all this money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I think it's so, so misleading folks get into this and they think, Hey, I'm going to come out here. I'm going to make a bunch of money. I'm going to own my own place. Look at all that money he's taking in. And then they get into it and they realize it's not the same job. And, and until you learn what that job is and until you learn how to do that job, man, it can be stressful. Very, very, very stressful. And, you know, particularly to the guys that, that are focusing on car count, right? Because they think that that's the answer is, man, that's, that is a lot of weight on your shoulders to try to run your business solely on a car count. Yep. Yeah. The liability. And, and, you know, like if you're a big chain store, yeah, you can just throw that to the, to the, I guess you could say throwing it to the dogs, right? You let all the staff, you don't care. It's the staff who has to deal with all the comebacks and all the issues and all the fights and all the, right. But when you're the one who's standing up there and it's your reputation, when they walk back through that door, holding the piece of broken off lug nut going, look at what you did. Yeah, yeah, that's not a good situation. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Knock on wood, never had it happen. Yeah, Don't not, since I've been here, it hasn't happened. So we're good. Right? right. I'm, I'm winning now. So. Yep, yep. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, and I, I don't know. I mean, I think that there are so many shop owners who kind of really resonate with your story. Because they have been exactly where you're coming from. You know what I mean? So tell us a little bit. How did you get started in all this? Like, how how did all this happen? <laughs> so really, if you would have known me growing up, like, you would never think that I would be doing this for a living. Um, really, it was it was out of necessity. <laughs> I needed a job. And uh, 
the company that first responded to me was was this company um, that I worked for, and I worked for them for was 13 or 14 years, um, including through the buyout. But, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I really appreciated with the company that, that hired me was that they did a really good job hiring good employees. So right. you went there and you were with like-minded people that were trying to do the right thing for the customer. And, you know, you're trying to take care of the customer, provide a good service. Um, and, and I really enjoyed that. And then, you know, I worked as a quote unquote manager trainee, which meant, you know, I was doing a bunch of oil changes whenever I first started. Um, but it was great because I got to learn what it's like doing that. Right. Um, because that's not anything that I ever did. So it was, it was nice to, you know, be out there in the hot shop, you know, in the winter it was cold, you know, and, and you sort of understand what, what the technicians, other employees are going through. Um, and then I slowly worked up to, to assistant manager, then became manager of a store. Um, and I got to meet some great technicians, some great people. And then we went through the buyout. And the buyout was like, it was a life-changing experience. I'll tell you that. Um, right. It was, it was really, really sad to see the change of focus, you know, where we used to say we hired the best. And, and, you know, and in my mind, we hired some very, very good people, good work ethic, you know, high morals, you know, they're really, really good people. And, and now we're hiring warm bodies. Right. And it, yeah, it was, man, tell you what, those few, I think it was about two years that I went through that. And I was just like, you know what, this, this isn't worth it. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like the stress that I'm getting from this corporate company that doesn't know what they're doing, like is, is providing a really bad service for the customers, not taking care of the employees and they don't care. And so in my mind is like, no, open up a shop that does care and let's do this the right way. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it was just that it was, it was just trying to like get out of that world and is like, no, this can be done significantly better. Uh, and so that's really, you know, where it came from was that was just seeing this corporate store do such a poor job at not only taking bad care of a customer, but taking bad care of the employees. And that was always one of my big things is why, why can't we take care of the employees, right? Is right. that should be possible in our industry. Um so th- that was my main focus in starting this business. Well, so let me ask you this. What, what you know, you started the business. Tell us a little bit about that process and what that looked like starting. Because, you know, there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of technicians who, who message us all the time and say, hey, I want to start a shop. How do I go about it? What do I, you know, what does that look like? Tell us a little bit about your journey and how that happened for you. Because it's an interesting story. So the way it worked for me was 
you know, I, I started looking around. There was a, a local shop that was that was selling, and that's really where I thought I was going to end up. And she was going to self-finance the sale and whatnot. Um, and, you know, and I tried to look at her numbers, and, and it's a, it was a small shop. It was a three-bay shop, um, but there was already employees there, one of them that I already knew. Um, but, you know, you just start looking at numbers, and you're just like, what you want for the business isn't quite what you're asking for. And, and the self-finance thing is cool. Um, but still, if you're asking too much for the business, that doesn't quite make sense either. Um, so, you know, I went through a long process with that. That didn't quite work out. Looked at some other buildings to try to figure out if I wanted to rent, buy, however that worked out. Um, and there, there wasn't a whole lot of good options. And so I got hooked up with a a realtor who got looking around for me and she was like, Hey, like there's this one shop, like they're currently working but it's not a good situation let's go in and talk with them and so he came in started talking with them about the business and uh they had no desire to sell the business per se they wanted to get out of the building um so they were closing down their business i told them i had no interest in buying their business anyway um and so i i was actually very fortunate in the fact that my parents were willing to buy the property. Um, right. So my parents bought the property. I pay them rent. Um, and the building that, that I got into was a little, uh, needed a lot of work. Um, it's a really big building, uh, not a huge road front, um, but it's really long. It goes back very far. So we've got How about, is it? we've got about 10 bays here. Um, so it's pretty big. Um, but the building's old. It hadn't been taken care of. Like they had plastic tarps trying to funnel all the water leaking from the, the roof to a couple spots in the shop. So that was fun. Um, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So whenever we first started in my mind is just like, Hey, like, I know this shop isn't what I want it to be right now, but I need to start making money. Like, and that was it. Like I had to start doing work. I didn't really have an option. So I put up a couple of signs in the front that looked really unprofessional. <laughs> and I was like, drive to the back. And I was working out of the back because the front needed a bunch of work. Um, so I was literally working in the back part of the shop. I had my desk in the shop. It was, it was, uh, it was interesting. Um, but you know, we, we started getting a couple of customers and whenever those couple of customers came in, right? Like you do what you always do, right? You greet the customer, you make them feel comfortable, even though it's not an ideal situation. Right. And the way that the customers appreciated that, like even sold it more of what's lacking in the area. Right. Like, like if these guys can come to this shop, and the shop is not ideal. It's not in great condition at the moment. And if I can provide good customer service and, and they're extremely appreciative of that, 
then there's something lacking, right? Like, like there's there's an issue with with some of the other shops in the area for some reason. And it's like, if I can do this well, I'm going to build my customer base. And that's what we did. I mean, it was, I'm very customer service oriented anyway. Like that's just the way I've been brought up. Um, so that sort of comes second nature to me. And we, we, you know, we pushed the customer service. It wasn't ideal, but like we built our customer base in, in the back of the shop. And right. no visibility from the road, really, because I had a couple small little signs saying pull to the back. Um, and then once we moved up front and we were able to get fix up the place a little bit more as we got more, you know, more income, more stuff in the door. We fixed up the front. Now the front looks really nice and customers come in and not only are they getting the nice shop, but they're also still getting that great customer service. Um, so we've been able to do a really good job building our customer base. Um, so, so I'm really proud of that fact. Um, and I think that that's just a big thing to me is, is what type of value are you creating for that customer? And for me, it was, it was through just being polite, being kind, having conversations with customers whenever they come in, you know, that goes, that goes a long way to building your customer base. It really does. It really does. And, and, you know, so I'll share a little bit of an experience is, is that you actually came up to my shop. You went to other shops and, and looked and saw how they did things. Like when you started making this change, right? You, you built this customer base, you started getting things cleaned up in the shop. And then we kind of had the conversation, Hey, you want to start looking for more technicians. That's when you got into the mastermind group. Yep. Started thinking about other ways to do things. So yep. you started touring other shops. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Like what, you know, I know what it was like for you to come up here and, and we talked about things you saw in my shop that I could do better. We talked about things you could take from my shop and implement in yours. What were the big takeaways from going and touring other shops? What did you take back and implement in your shop and what difference did it make? Like how, how did that play out for you? Because a, a lot of shop owners, you know, A, we're, we're kind of nervous to ask somebody else to see their process, especially if it's in our own town. But secondly, it's kind of difficult to do that. And and you don't really know if somebody would be open to it. You know, luckily we're all friends, so we have a, a kind of tight knit group. It's not a big deal to call somebody and say, hey, can I come check your shop out? <laughs> right. That's That's just how we are. But share a little bit about that experience from your perspective. No, I mean, you know, so, so I have, you know, I visited a few different shops and, and I haven't here in the last couple of months. I need to, I need to get back on that. But, you know, one, I want to thank you whenever I want to go visit your shop. Like all, everyone there was extremely open, you know, like, Hey, this is, this is the process. There was no hiding anything, right? Like we're all trying to help each other, you know, we're all trying to help each other get better. And, and I greatly appreciate you for that. Um, but you know, it's whenever you go to other shops, it it is right. There's things that, that we look at that we think, Hey, these are key takeaways. And there's things that are like, Hey, that's probably not a good process. And I think like one of the things we, we had talked about with your shop in particular was right. Like taking pictures of like the air filter, right. 
and, and I don't remember what the deal was, but I had, you know, I was really, I was thinking really hard, like your process is, is pretty good for the most part, you know, I was just, and I was trying to think really right. hard, like what could he do better? And that was one thing. Yeah, that I, I put you on the spot. I was like, Hey, I, no, I, you're not coming in here without telling me something I'm screwing up. I'm not doing this. But, you know, get, getting down there, looking at the cars and the process of, of like, Hey, you know, let's look at this. Let's look at that. You know, some shops pull the wheels off to look at brakes. Others peek through and say, Hey, there might be an issue. We need to sell or not sell, but right. But we need to see if the customer wants us to, to look into their brakes. Right. And so there's, there's different ways that people think through that process. Um, right. And having, having those different perspectives, even though we're all different and all of our shops are going to run different, they're not all going to run the same. Uh, you, you take a lot away from that. So I'll say like my DVIs are significantly different now than they were a few months ago. Um, right. So, right. Like, and it's that it's like understanding like, Hey, I'm going to take a picture of this area of concern and we need to approach the customer. Whereas before, maybe I like dug into that area of concern without, you know, associating a fee with that. And I look into that area and then I'm trying to sell a service on something that I didn't necessarily ask for permission for, um, things of that nature. So I would say as far as like the DVIs in that process of, of how we take care of our customer and how we communicate with our customer has been probably our biggest change. Well, you know, so you bring up something pretty interesting. Do you know why I recommend evaluations as opposed to taking a will off and doing a break evaluation anyway, or, um, you know, certain things, taking them apart to find out, do you know why we do that? Why is that? sir? I, I think I told, I think I've told you this, but there's a very specific reason. And people say, is it because you're trying to sell more evaluations? No, it's not. It's because I'm not going to be the dumbass that breaks off a wheel stud. <laughs> a client says, I didn't tell you to take my wheel off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, before I take something apart on a client's car, I'm asking for permission. And, and just like our, our testing routines and, and for instance, there was like a eighties BMW in here the other day and we talked really thoroughly, um, you know, and, and, and Dutch will appreciate this because you know, it's kind of like a pre-flight, you know, you, you sit down and you talk about what you're going to do if something goes wrong. What's the plan? What's your game plan? Right. Not, not just get in the plane and take off. No, we're going to talk about how this is going to happen. What we're going to do if something goes wrong, here's how we handle it. Well, you know, we sat we sat down and talked about this BMW. It it's man, it's got um perfectly white interior, right? Like white sheet of paper, white interior. <laughs> so we talked about how are we going to protect the interior of the car? What are we going to do? And and so one of the conversations that came up was is that it was a window concern. And so I talked to Shannon and Eric. Eric was going to be the tech on the car, and I told Shannon and Eric both, here's what I expect. I want to do this testing and I want Eric to come back with a, a description of what we find. If we need to back down the level one testing we're starting with, that's fine. But you're not taking the door panel off of that car without permission. You don't touch the door panel until you call the client and say, I need to remove the door panel. Here's the potentials, right? Okay. It's going to cost this much. And it it's a 40 year old car. There are things that can go wrong. And I need you to understand what those things are before I do them. Now, I'm going to do everything I can to mitigate that. 
but it's possible. And, and, you know, it kind of comes back to some of the things that I've gone through with building this building or, or trying to build this building. Damn it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you've had a lot of fun with that. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, um, long story short, you know, and, and I want to be careful because there's, um, I've, I've got friends involved, but for instance, some of the organizations that I've worked with, they would just call up and say, Hey, we need more money. Okay. Why? What, what are you doing? What should I expect? What is, what's the time frame look like? Why, why do you need to do this? No, they just call and say, here, we need more money. You need to do this. You need to do that. Okay. Help me understand why. And, and, you know, sometimes we talk about keeping the client in control of the process, but I mean, would you want to go to the doctor and them say, Hey, we need to do this procedure. And then they, they do the procedure and they're like, Oh, by the way, I'm really sorry. You're paralyzed now. What? You didn't tell me that was a risk. Yeah, it was a risk, but we, 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 we forgot. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't really think it was that big of a deal to tell you about it. Right. I think as professionals, we have to keep them aware of that. And I know we're going off on a rabbit hole, a tangent, whatever you want to call it, but as professionals, it's our job to educate our client about the cost involved, the time involved, the potentials. Right. And that's what we call them in the shop. They're the potentials. What could go wrong? What couldn't go as planned? What happens? You know, and, and we talk about the testing. Okay. Here's the testing. Here's what, here's what a good result is going to look like. Here's what a bad result is going to look like. If you get a bad result, that means we do this. If you get a good result, that means we do this. Right. It's not open-ended. It's described and explained in a way that makes sense. And, and I think that for us, that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I've taken away from going to somebody's shop like Dutch, right? Don't just throw out recommendations. Don't just throw out, you need brakes. Okay, why? Why Why do I need brakes at three millimeter? What, what difference does that make? Why is that a safety? Can- why do I need expensive brakes versus cheap brakes? And, and I think that's something as an industry we've lacked for a long time. We've not been explaining that. Yeah, and I, that is one thing that I noticed uh, in something that that I need to incorporate in, in my DVI process as well is that is the description of what this can cause, right? And and we don't do a good job of that at this moment, but it is something that I need to take charge of and 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 implement. Um, but that is something that I did notice, that, and I think we had talked about that as well. It was like I was like, man, like I like the the fact that you're putting this description of this in there as well, right? Like, no, it's not just that your brakes are at three millimeters. It's that, you know, your brake life is here. This is what can happen. This is what's going on. Um, and we need to dig further into this. Um, so that's something that I think, you know, I think as an industry, I think we all need to sort of make that a standard, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you hear about these shops that end up in court. <laughs> would would you rather be sitting up there talking to that judge saying, well, I know it just says engine replacement and it just <laughs> says engine, but what I really did was, and, and you know, my, my shop coach is always like, you put a piece of duct tape on your mouth. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, if it ain't on paper, it's a lie. You put a piece of duct tape on your mouth and you write everything down. <laughs> and so like, that's why I got so descriptive and, and it takes time. But I think that's part of the value of a service that you provide. And I think that, you know, one of the things I hear a lot of shop owners talk about 
is odd. I can't charge that. I can't charge that in my market. I don't think it has so much to do with market. I think it has to do with the clientele that you attract and the product that you provide, right? Because I know people in the poorest parts of town who go and buy a luxury automobile, a beautiful house, a huge TV, the nicest one they offer. They didn't buy it because of the price. They bought it because it's what they wanted. They wanted a specific service. And my clients want a service where they have things explained to them, have a killer warranty, all the details you could ever want are provided for them. We're here to answer questions. We don't get defensive when something goes wrong. We say, hey, I am terribly sorry. We made a mistake. You know, one of the things that I, I me and you talked about while you were here is, is my rule in the shop is I want you to update my customers so frequently that they get pissed off at you for calling them. Yeah, because, you know, just like this whole deal with the building, having to pick up the phone and call people over and over and over again. Hey, man, where are we at? Oh, man, uh, I'll call you back and never get that update, especially when you're depending on that. That sucks. And, and you know, I, dude, this has been such a big deal for me is because I've got to see the service industry from the outside looking in now. Right. Because now I'm the consumer. I'm not the guy, like I've never gone anywhere and done anything else otherwise. I, I like, yeah, I, I use restaurants and I fly on an airplane from time to time, but like my entire life is centered around this one piece of property. I don't go anywhere and do anything. <laughs> so like getting to use service industries and, and seeing how that feels has been a huge eye opener for me. And I, I told my guys the other day, I came in, I was like, if you guys ever treat a client like I've been treated throughout all this, I went somewhere and they basically just kind of threw up, hey, um, that'll be $5,500. I'm like, dude, nowhere was I told that was going to be $5,500 more. Nowhere was there any documentation. You never called to say, hey, we're going to be doing this. You never called to say, well, it's in the contract. It doesn't matter. It's your job to communicate that to me. It's not a big deal. I'll pay you. I get it. It's in the contract. And I mean, I feel like we see that, right? We see some posts about stuff, similar stuff, right? Where people are complaining about customers not wanting to pay. And not that there's not an argument there. Like there may be. But the question, right? You got to ask the questions. Like, did you properly communicate to your customer what was happening? Did you keep them updated throughout the entire process? And if you didn't, that falls on you. Absolutely. And, and you know, look, I may not be as fast as you want me to be. I may not be as cheap as you want me to be. But by God, I'm going to tell you what to expect. I'm going to keep you in the loop. Your client will pay for that service right there alone. They will pay more for that service than going to a facility that, that says, yeah, we'll get to you. You know, I've got, I've got these ads that I run and it's called Grouchy Bob. And I've got a good friend and he called me as soon as I started running. He said, is that about me? Said, well, it might be. <laughs> doesn't kind of sound like you. Um, but, you know, Grouchy Bob's Auto. And, and those ads were not about anybody in my town, right? I've got a lot of really good shops in town. It's not about anybody in town. It was simply about the fact that there are so many of these stories, these horror stories that people tell about their experience. And it's, Man, I came back. I, I thought I was getting an oil change, and I came back and had a thousand dollar bill. I, you know, 
they told me that my car was going to be done this afternoon. I've called them four times. They've not told me a thing yet. I can't even get them to answer the damn phone. Or, you know, look, you're going to keep my car for two weeks. I've got to, I've got to get a rental car. I can't afford that. Like that, that doubles the cost of the repair alone. And you're telling me because you can't get me in or you can't get the part, you know? And, and so I think that there's so many ways that we can offer more value to that service. You know, I tell my clients all the time, I need you to think about the fact that when you come to me and I'm giving you a free loaner car for a week because I can't get the part, that's saving you a thousand dollar rental car bill, right? I'm a I'm thousand dollars cheaper than anybody else in town because you're not having to get a rental car. And I don't mean that in a, in an arrogant or cocky way, but those are things that we need to think about as an industry because we provide value on so many fronts that we never think about, or we don't provide value on so many fronts that we never think about. hundred percent agree with you on that. <laughs> you know, it's usually the people that provide a lot of value that don't ever think about what they offer yeah, right? because they yeah. think that this is, this is, normal and it's not right like i don't know i've I've felt that way right like you think and not in the sense that you need to charge a lot of money because you provide all this right like that's not the point the point is that like you really need to look at your business and see what value you do actually provide like what do you provide what are you doing that sets you apart from someone else and really think about ingrained in the business you don't ever see it yeah, hundred percent. Right? That just becomes what we do until you go to another shop and see how another shop operates and see the experience another shop provides. Is it better? Is it worse? Is it the same? You don't ever, you don't ever realize that, you know? Yep. Yep. And uh, I want to circle back real quick to one thing you had mentioned about where we do hear about people are talking of, you know, Hey, in my market, we can't charge this. We can't charge that. You know, the median income is so much. It's really like, I know some people that have a ton of money, but they're not good customers. All right. Like it's not necessarily the money thing. And and I think we need to sort of get that out of our minds. It's not that this customer has a ton of money. It's what does this customer appreciate? And does your shop provide the service that they're looking for or not? Um, yeah. You need to take the money, you know, whatever, however much money they have doesn't matter. Like you provide a certain service and it's worth this much. Is that customer going to be a good fit for you and your shop? Yeah. And I mean, we focus so much on money, right? And and maybe it's because we're a society of of dollar bills, right? We, we only look at the dollar bills. Um, you know, I think the relationship, the quality of service, the things that you provide mean so much more than dollar bills. Now, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not saying go out and rip your customers off. I'm not saying charge exorbitant amounts. I'm not saying, you know, there's people who talk about charging 250 and $300 an hour and huge margins and all this stuff. And I, I guess to each their own, but really what we're talking about is enough to be profitable. You know, one of the things that we've said on this show over and over again is we're an industry which consistently subsidizes the cost of repairs for its clients. Because, I mean, God, you... 100%. You call a, yeah, you call a, call a plumber. Call an engineer. 
I swear to God, call an engineer, tell him you need to build a 9,000 square foot steel building and see what the heck they say. I'm going to tell you right now, you don't even want to know what they're going to say. It will make you <laughs> sick at your stomach. And, 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 you know, they're going to tell you, look, I'll put it to you this way. They said, we are eight weeks behind. And I said, okay. They said it will take 10 weeks to complete. And I said, okay. And it's been something like 36 weeks after the 10 weeks so far. And they just got done. And nice. then they came back and they said, oh yeah, you owe us more. And I'm like, hold up. What? <laughs> I don't, I, I don't understand. And the, the fact that, that the first response was, well, it's in your contract. That's and awful. I, I hadn't even had a chance to say anything, <laughs> right? I, I think it was just my facial expression. Uh, I mean, you know, there there's so much more to to a repair shop. There's so much more to providing value. You know, I was talking to Jim Kokonis today. He's a really good friend of mine, and he is a very very smart man. And and we were talking about there's like borders of ethical maintenance. Right. Like, you know, he keeps bringing up a Ford Escort and he's saying, you know, if I went out, there, there are stores out there that if I went out and I recommended every maintenance service that they wanted provided for that Ford Escort and, and you did everything in their maintenance schedule for the life of the vehicle that they recommended, you could have bought two Ford Escorts yeah. and really all you probably would have had to do to that Ford Escort is change the oil and put brake pads and tires on it. <laughs> And it would have lived <laughs> just as long, you know? And and so we're talking about that kind of moral or ethical dilemma of where you stand when making recommendations and how you make those recommendations and how important it is to do what's right for the client. And And I think that it comes down to doing what's right for them far more than it comes down to being the cheapest, right? It's not about being the cheapest. It's about being honest and ethical and providing them a quality service. It has nothing to do with money. We focus on the money because the money's the scary part, right? Because I guess we're just used to people bucking on that. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I, th I think 100% that's what it is. Uh, I think it's it's that, right? And, and that, so that's one of the things that we talked about in the mastermind group, right? Was It was emotional pricing. Yeah. You, you look at you look at something and you're looking at the amount and it's like oh man i can't charge that right and, know, and, <laughs> and it hurts and you're looking at it and it's just like you've got the process in place like this is the amount and this is a fair amount for the work being completed the value you're offering this is the amount but you look at it and it's like oh man that Right. And then we you do it we one start time to do and that. Nobody noticed but you. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And then you keep doing it. <laughs> right, right. Because, and and then all of a sudden you're actually putting food on your family's table, and you're actually able to fix your building, and you're able to do the things that make you a real business. Yep. Right. Yep. You're able to do the things that you really set out to do to begin with. Right. Hundred percent. You set out to have this business that was going to provide for you and your family. You set out to provide this great service to your clients and your customers. I tell people all the time, 
you want a really high quality product. You want somebody who's going to be there to pamper you if something goes wrong. I'm like a spa for your car. I'm going to wash it. I'm going to clean the interior. I'm going to do all these things. But you need to understand that that can't be cheap. I can't do that cheap. I can't stand behind it cheap. I can't be the cheapest in town and offer you that. If you're looking for the cheapest in town, that's great. But you don't get that for being the cheapest in town. That's not what you get. You don't get a prime steak. You don't get a peddler steak at McDonald's. It's not going to happen. You get a McDonald's cheeseburger at McDonald's. And you don't get the quality service or the atmosphere or the ambience or, or whatever it is at McDonald's. You pay for the difference. Yeah, right. And, and you know, and it's it's even to the extent of, of who you have working in the shop, which goes back to the original point of where we started, right, is how can you attract the best technicians? Well, you have to offer a good package, right? And if you're not charging appropriately, then how will you ever attract that, those top, top line technicians? And so right. then who's working on the customer's vehicle, right? It's, it's like going back to where I was before where, yeah, they'll get you in and out and they might be a little bit cheaper on some things, but really whenever you look at it, look at who's working on your car compared to who you would have working on your car here. Um, right. And so I think it's, it's things like that, that the customer, like we need to understand that as shop owners, that that is what we are offering. And, yeah. and that's gotta be built in. Cause if you don't charge enough, then you can't, you can't get the top tech. So let me ask you something while we're back on that subject. You know, I told you when you asked me that question, and that's been, what, six, eight, 12 months ago, something like that? Yeah, I think it must have been in February. Right. I, I told you when you asked me that question that that was a tremendous question. There were so many factors that went into that, that, that there's not just one thing, right? Because you talked about wanting to offer insurance. You talked about wanting to pay them more. You want to get these great tools. And how was it that you were going to do that with what you had right now? Because you just couldn't see a way to do that, right? That, that's what that conversation sounded like, right? Yep. What were the key factors? So you've been in the mastermind group. What were the key factors? What were the big things that made a difference? Or what changes did you make that made the biggest difference? And what did you find to be the primary factor? So I would say realistically looking at it, one, understanding what you're worth, right? Yeah. Because a, lo a lot of us tend to do that. A lot of us tend to look at a bill and be like, that's too much money. Let me knock this down. Let me do this. Let me do that, right? And, and we're, we're hurting ourselves in so many different ways, um, right? And, and do your math, right? Like if you think you should afford text that makes so much money, understand what your labor rate needs to be from that point. Like, does it make sense? Does your labor rate make sense with, with what you've got? Um, and your, your actual labor rate, your, in your effective labor rate, make sure that, that those numbers are all making sense with what your goal is for your technicians. Uh, and then going through the process of the vehicle correctly. So, I'm not going to sit here and say that we are amazing with our hours per RO. We're working on it. 
you know, sort of like what I mentioned earlier, where we were at 0.86 whenever, whenever I started, right? So right now, you know, I'm a little over two hours per ticket. Uh, right. So that's been a tremendous increase. You know, I had an interview with another guy from a, from a dealership, and I was able to offer him a package that was significantly better than what he was making. Um, but making those changes have allowed me to do that because otherwise I'd be in the same position thinking that I can't get a technician thinking that I can't figure this out, you know, and, um, so sorry about that. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> we can edit that out. Yeah. We, there you go, David. <laughs> Have you something to do tonight? I'm uh, I'm worried he's thanks. I'm worried he's stroked out over there. He's got the COVID death rumbles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just listening. It's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's that understand what you're worth. All right, and, and I don't know. I, I I can sometimes get a little irritated on on ASOG whenever I see people talking about raising your rates. And to a point, I think that there's there's some truth to it. And to a point, I think it's you, you have to have a why. Like why why are you yeah. raising your rates? Right? Does it make sense with your process with your model? Are you being fair? Are you truly creating the value for that for your customer? And if the answer is yes, then the answer is yes, and do it. Um, but if you're not sure, I think you should make sure before you just go hike up some prices. Um, and, well, and you got to understand what, what those price hikes mean and what, what changes it, it equates. Do you think you could have done all of this without the mastermind group? And and I'm not, I, not just the mastermind group. Do you think you could have made these changes as quickly as you've made them without a support system? I I think I hope eventually I would have figured it out, but realistically, as far as the time frame, no, because because you get caught up in the day to day, right? And what happens whenever you're caught up in the day to day is you never get over it. It's a cycle, yeah. you know. It's right. it's no accountability. <laughs> it's no accountability. It's like, all right, I'm struggling. What do I do? Oh, there's another car. Let me take that car in, you know, and and you just keep yourself in that cycle. And so, you know, and, and I reached out to you because I was like, man, like I'm doing something not right. I know I'm doing something not right, but I can't pinpoint it. And so the fact that, you know, it was funny whenever Eric and Mark both called me, you know, and, and we talked a little bit like their focus was my financials, like how I was doing, what was my my labor rate, my effective labor rate. You know, we were going down right. a bunch of questions, you know, and it's like, that's what and needs Eduardo to get solved. really wanted to talk about about hiring a technician. Hey guys, I don't think you understand. I want to hire a technician. I don't want to talk about numbers. I'm good. I'll pass. Let's, let's, let's talk about hiring technicians. We, we're good. I don't need to talk about this other stuff. No, that, I mean, but that is true, you know, and you're sitting there and you're just like, you know, they're they're hitting you with all these questions and you're sitting here and you're just like, it finally makes sense. Like, you know, you get done talking and you're just like, oh, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it takes some time, right? You, you've you yeah. got to, 
because it can be really tough when you, you know, I, I remember when I first hired a coach that, that my first couple of conversations were, no, no, I, I want this. And I tell the story all the time. I told Rick, I said, I just want all my problems to go away. And he said, as serious as anybody I've ever heard say anything at all, son, when all your problems go away, you're dead. Let's just find some better problems. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, well, shit. Yeah. I thought of that. <laughs> You know, yeah, you told me that whenever I went over there, and, and I won't forget that. That's that's very true, very true. Uh, you know, and, and I think we have this this like quest for everything to be better and everything to go away. Uh, you know, just like you know, I, I think so many owners get in there and they think, hey, I'm going to finish all of these cars. I, my my goal is to just finish all the cars. Listen, if you finish all the cars, you're out of business. You don't have any more to work on. The purpose is not to finish all the cars. The purpose is to have more cars. So, you know, not necessarily more cars, but, but you know, a constant flow of folks who desire your services. So, you know, I, I think that it's so easy for us to get, um, I don't know if misguided is the word, but it's so easy for us to get lost on this journey. And it, it takes somebody to sit down and say, hey, nah, don't do not do that. Do this. We, we need to talk about this. You need to see this from my perspective. I'm outside. I've got a 30,000-foot view, and I can see the problem plain as day. But all too often, we won't listen, especially in a group like, you know, ASOG on Facebook. It can be very difficult to listen to some guy that you don't know telling you, hey, here's your problem. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? I can see it right here. It is. It's hard to listen to that. And so I think my message to anybody would be, and, and you know, Eduardo, you're so lucky because we've got a really close mutual friend and that's Justin Allen. And, and Justin is so good. I know he's kind of a vendor, but he he's so good about caring about people and understanding what other people are going through and talking and saying, Hey, I just want to help. I want to be here for you. I want to support you. What can I do to help? And, and so he's really the one who connected us. And I think it's so neat that connections like that make that difference. But Justin will absolutely walk in my shop or your shop or somebody else's shop and say, Hey, I saw this. I just want you to know about it. Right. Every time it comes in, he's always got something. Exactly. And what a difference that makes having a friend that's willing to tell you the things that you do not want to hear, telling you the things that you really need to know, whether you want to hear them or not, man, that's probably one of the most valuable things you could ever have. That's the truth. Very, very much. And just to put another little plug out there for, for Justin, if there's anyone that needs to learn how to service customers, you need to go talk with Justin Allen because he, he knows customer service. That guy is, is amazing. He really is. He's a, he is a, he's a true asset to our industry, but man, I'm telling you what, the dude is an, an amazing friend to all of us. He's an amazing friend, friend to our industry for sure. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think it's people like that and, and uh, there's so many of them that I can't even list by name. The people like, like Mark Perkins and Eric Bach and Adam Rath and, and, you know, um, Kyle Logue, the, the guys that are in that mastermind group who will stop at no length. Right. And, and I'm telling you, it takes a special kind of person to tell you things you don't want to hear. 
right? Because, and, and I think that's what gets so many shop owners in trouble is because what we really want to do is we want to tell that client on the front counter what they want to hear. And unfortunately, that is not what's going to keep you out of hot water with the client. Telling yeah. them what they need to hear will keep you out of hot water. Yeah. That's not always a comfortable discussion. Well, it, and it's that. It's, you know, having that. So I remember my first meeting with them where I was live with everyone else. And man, they gave me a hard time. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but it's just like, you got to have some thick skin. You got to understand it's all, it's all to help you. And it really is, you know, and sometimes we have a hard time with that. You know, our egos get in the way and whatnot, but really if you sit back and you listen to what some of these guys say, they've got some really good insight for you. Uh, Yeah. They can really, really help you if you just listen and put your ego aside and understand that you don't know it all. Um, you'll learn some some great things from the ASOG group for sure. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to ASOG.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax deductible. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and on YouTube so you never miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy to use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to getshopware.com and see what I mean today. That's getshopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.